podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCastNet. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we'll be looking at the wardens of the suns and talking about how the characters may interact with them. Join us on the path of suns and you may uncover a secret or two. When we cast My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we discuss the setting of Invisible Sun. We're starting to stretch our legs a little here. We're reaching out from Indigo and from Saturnine. But before we really travel the path, we're going to have to talk about the Wardens first. Now, this isn't going to be a comprehensive overview of all the Wardens for all of the Suns. That's not what I'm interested in talking about here. I need to kind of wrap my head around what the Wardens do, what their function is, and how the characters are going to interact with them when they start traveling the path. So if you take a look at um, the path pages 35 through 37, that's going to cover the overview of what these wardens are and what they do. Uh, And it also has one of those nice black pages that uh, discusses uh, game mastering tips for, you know, what a warden encounter is going to be like. So briefly, um, each sun has a warden that guards the gate to the sun. Uh, and there are wardens for both the Path of Suns and for the Nightside Path of Suns. So each sun is going to have two wardens for the most part. There are, There is an exception, um, though I'm not sure if there's more than one exception to this. Uh, and whenever the characters travel to a sun for the first time, they're going to have an encounter with this warden if it's present. Uh, the, the warden is going to consider the traveler, the, they're going to talk with them, they're going to ask questions, and ultimately the warden is going to require some sort of toll before the travelers can pass through the gate and gain access to the sun that they are traveling to. So that's the, the broad overview of uh, what wardens are and you know what's expected of them. So... What I'm trying to figure out here is um, how how do I want to play these wardens? And let's talk about a couple of examples at some point. But um, Scott, you've you've had wardens show up in your campaign. How did that go? It uh, I used wardens in different ways, uh, and because I think they can fulfill different purposes. The players had fairly direct. Uh, interactions with the warden of the green mm-hmm. uh, and uh, direct, but brief interaction with a warden of, uh, of the blue sun, which we'll, t- I think we'll talk about more. Uh, and then there were a couple other more kind of incidental uh, inter- kind of, uh, references to the other wardens, maybe in the distance, maybe uh, you know, something along those lines, but I would say the, the, the blue and the green were the most direct interactions mm-hmm. in the case with the green. I said it's direct and repeated interactions. With the blue, I used the warden mostly for this uh, sort of toll-taking guardian of the uh, gateway uh, sort of uh, 
uh, role that the, the wardens are uh, have in some cases. So I've, I used it both in sort of a conventional and unconventional sense. Okay. Um, so did you ever run into the uh, situation where the players were simply traveling along the path and weren't really going to the blue sun, but their ultimate destination was further along or were they actually traveling to the sun that they wanted to get to rather than just making a stop there on their way along the path? Does well, that make sense? Their encounter. Yeah, it does. Uh, their encounter with Mara was not entirely deliberate on their part. They were, um, they passed into the blue sun unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mara was not pleased with someone trying to enter this, trying to enter, even though they weren't really trying uh, the blue sun without the proper uh, procedures and toll. So they had an initially antagonistic uh, encounter with uh, with Mara because they were traveling to the blue um, and sort of and kind of ran into the gate accidentally rather than through kind of approved magical channels. Okay. Um, so those approved magical channels would be, you know, there's the, the pathwalking spell. Um, would you consider sailing through the abstraction to be official, or is that the sort of backdoor into the blue? I would still consider that to be official. The way I would probably plan that, plot that out, is that the, uh, the they would sail to a, a, a gateway of some sort. Mm-hmm. So they would have to pass through the gate, uh, and that would be an official sort of of transition. And that's the thing, like the the book calls out and says, like, whenever you're traveling between the suns, it's not really, you're not really traveling. It's you're really just sort of moving into a different state of consciousness. And whenever you get to that sun, you're going to encounter the gate the first time you get there. It's just something that kind of happens in the world. Right. And and this in part because, you know, based upon. Uh, this was started during the playtest, so I was creating this campaign without yep. uh, f- full information about the setting. Uh, though what we did was not necessarily not necessarily inconsistent with core principles of the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it involved uh, a, a group trying to basically collapse the barriers between the suns. Mm-hmm. So they were creating pathways between the suns that did not follow this model of sort of a, a, a regimented uh, gateway and toll uh, and the standard process. Uh, yeah, I can see how the warden would be upset about that. The warden was not pleased. Uh, so they were able to use efforts to stop this from happening as sort of their toll for Mara, the, the blue warden, to say that they would close the, uh, the the openings that were allowing people to move directly from Indigo uh, into the, the blue sun. And uh, so I had the campaign had a notion that there were proper ways to travel between worlds. Uh, and but when they did not travel through proper channels, this could draw the attention of the wardens. Because I got the sense that the wardens were, uh, you know, kind of intimately tied to their sons and thus would be aware if there were intruders with, that they had not previously given permission to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Mara's case, the, the players kind of blindly, um, or at least not intentionally, uh, uh, move into the blue, find it a very strange place, not realizing they had moved from the indigo to the blue, though they had some hints uh, and some idea of what was going on. And, and Mara kind of came to them. So instead of them going to the gate, the gate kind the, the, the gate surrounded them. Um, yeah, I think subverting that sort of, uh, you know, the expectation that the book lays out for how traveling the suns works. I think subverting that 
makes sense and having the warden be upset about it is an interesting idea because it's a metaphysical transition. It's, it's your consciousness moving into a different state. You're not, you're not traveling. You're not uh, shifting into a different dimension. So the warden is going to be tied to that sun and that the warden is going to be tied to the aspect of what that sun represents. And since it's, I guess uh, a weird way to describe it is always like, it's an internal path of uh, through the soul as well. Like that warden represents, you know, the soul uh, and the aspect of the soul that that sun is shining upon. So them being the gatekeeper into this place and interacting with the characters, they're going to be looking for something that the characters, I guess, have internally that the wardens are trying to interact with and highlight. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying here? Right. I think of it as a controversy within the, within Saturine and among the Vizlay that there are probably some who think of travel between suns in a literal travel sense. Mm-hmm. And for them, travel is getting on a boat, you know, a flying boat and moving across space from one location to another. For others, uh, Distance in a physical sense is less important than a change in mindset. So for some, they think of this as a metaphysical uh, uh, move so that your body doesn't move. The the universe moves around your body because your perception realigns with the wavelength or whatever it is uh, of the new sun. And so I don't necessarily think that there's one way to interpret it. Uh, One could take the relatively straight fantasy metaphor of travel and play the entire campaign that way. Um, mm-hmm. One could use the metaphysical interpretation, uh, and then uh, it, it raises interesting questions then of, of are, are wardens necessarily even entities, or are they representations of one's own consciousness that is uh, basically p- forcing an individual to pay the cost for her, her change in, in uh, metaphysical or psychological state? It's like the wardens were us all along sort of interpretation. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can interpret this. And I, I think the the warden is an aspect of your soul is kind of how I'm looking at this when I'm trying to frame like, uh, what is what is the warden actually trying to do? What are they like? What sort of toll are they asking for? And why does it matter? Uh, I'm not so much interested. Like, I don't really want to answer the question. Oh, are you is the warden a an entity that exists? Uh, on the path or is the warden uh, a representation of this aspect of the soul? Like, I, I don't care so much about that answer. I'm more interested in like, what does this warden represent and what are they trying to get from the characters in a way that is interesting and fun, but also representative of the sun that they're guarding. And I'm interested in this interpretation because it almost suggests that the 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 wardens have something to teach us. They have yes. a pedagogical purpose, and so part of a campaign might be learning the lessons of the wardens. Even the wardens you think of as being more antagonistic or or more that remind us more of traditional antagonists, like the you know the demonic warden of the red or something along those lines. Uh, 
But this interpretation suggests these are all part of our soul. And this coming straight out of the description of the setting, these, this, the, uh, the suns represent parts of our souls. Um, mm-hmm. And so the wardens themselves may have something to either tell us about the dangers of accessing that part of our soul, the opportunities uh, present in accessing that part of our souls, or how we can best manage that part of our souls. Now, would you would you customize what the warden is asking for for each specific character? Or if they're traveling there as a group, would you just have it be like, here's the toll, here's what I need you all to do, or what I need you all to give me? Or would you try and make it more personal? That would depend upon where I was in the story and where I was in individual character arcs, either the formally chosen character arcs or just sort of where the character is in the story. Mm-hmm. Also how much time I have to invest in it. <laughs> sure. Committing to different tolls for each person is a larger commitment of, of time because I'd want, if they're going to be specific to the person, then I would really want to take this sort of lesson metaphor and find something really good that the uh, warden could ask for to teach something to that particular person and why that person needs this lesson in this way. That's demanding a lot, especially if you have a party of like six people or something along those lines. How about, how about we take a look at uh, the warden of the blue? Uh, Cause I think we might be able to break this down just a little bit and answer this question. Um, so the warden of the blue is Mara. She dwells within this maze. She's knowledgeable and insightful. Um, and she spends most of her time in slumber dreaming. So, uh, I had a couple of ideas for what I could do if you were to encounter Mara. One of the things she could ask for is, uh, I guess as a group, perhaps she wants you to return to Indigo via the sea of nothing. So rather than taking a traditional mean, like using a spell to get back, Hey, here's a way to show uh, your players that there's there are lines that are drawn in this setting, uh, but then they kind of get smudged and moved around. Like, hey, you can only travel t- between the suns if you follow the path of suns, but that's not quite always true. You can also sometimes, you know, get on a boat and sail through this sea and end up in indigo at some point. Um, Another thought I had uh, is perhaps she asks for a dream from each character. And here I think this is where you might be able to customize it for each character. So it's not like, hey, give me a dream and then you can pass through. I, I think I would look at that as more of, hey, I want each of you to come up with a like a dream that your character has, perhaps an ambition that your character has. And I want you to, you know, think of something that actually matters to your character and offer it to this warden. And then as the GM and as the player, we have a little back and forth and we say, well, what is actually important to your character? And that's where you get to pull out, you know, specific stuff for each player and their character. And it gives you a little more insight as the GM for, you know, what they're looking to do with their character. And that's customized, but it's not on you to come up with every single thing that they have to do. That's a very good idea. Uh, I I like that uh, way of allowing characters to, or allowing players to develop the characters uh, 
and to tailor the encounter to their own specific characters, uh, but that no one person then has to come up with a bunch of these different uh, dreams. And some may interpret dream as an ambition. Others may interpret it as an opportunity to say something about their character and, and their, their identity. Uh, and to, to have a, to give a dream that uh, represents that identity. Uh, and if they're feeling particularly dangerous, that it might even give a hint about their secret soul. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, you know, every player can take this as seriously as they choose. Uh, one interesting question would then be for this particular uh, encounter, uh, if one gives up this dream, does that mean that that person does not have that dream anymore? Do they lose that ambition or do they, is that part of their identity compromised in some way? Uh, I think, I think if you're trying to draw out the, the personality of the character or the history or different aspects of that character, I wouldn't take it away from them because you're asking the player to come up with something that defines their character and then if your response is, okay, she takes that and it's no longer yours, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of that exercise, in my opinion. Unless recreating it is a new character arc. True. So there's, And there's no right answer here. Uh, there are yeah. a variety of ways you could, go, you could use this. And, and I think what our conversation serves to do is just illustrate the various doors one can take from such an encounter. Uh, and these all can lead to interesting... Uh, uh, directions and campaigns uh, and you just want to pick one that fits with what you think your group will enjoy most. Yeah. And I think that's a good summary for this little discussion. <laughs> I'll say um, <laughs> another illustration, just using uh, contemporary inspiration. If I recall correctly, when I introduced Mara, uh, I did use this notion of, of, a, of her dwelling within a maze. And so while the uh, characters had inadvertently passed into the blue, they found themselves very quickly captured in a maze at the center of which was a a room um, surrounded by flowing blue curtains. I think because I'd been watching a little too much Twin Peaks. (laughs) And so instead of the red room, I had a blue room where Mara was. Uh, But it's just you you can just kind of grab this example, just grabbing something from what I'd been watching on television at the time. and using it as, in this case, kind of architectural notes on how to design a distinctive encounter with with a warden. Because I think it is important for these warden encounters to be uh, memorable, to to stand out. Uh, these are uh, opportunities for the characters to interact with key players within the Path of Sons. Uh, and so these are important enough to invest in the design of the context and the setting uh, to make sure that you uh, describe all of this in rich detail, uh, because these are your one of your opportunities to have a very rich encounter with the setting, uh, independent of what you think are going to be the highlights of your plot uh, for your campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some of the, what are likely to be some memorable highlights. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. 
You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, It really helps us out. Uh, We also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, Or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and help people find us.